Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the Epistles of John. And we're in chapter 2. We've just finished with verse 17. And we'll begin in just a moment with verse 18 and following. I want to take you back to where John warned his readers against loving the world system. And he warned the reader against loving the things that are involved in that system. You see, we succumb to the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes, and we succumb to proud ambition if we're not careful. A lack of love of the world and the presence of obedience to the divine will brings assurance to the believer. So let's go back to verses 13 through, um, or 15, excuse me, through uh, 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Our assurance is in doing the will of God, the will of the Father. Because the world passes away, the things of the world pass away, we're in a very small time capsule uh, while we're here in the world, and it will be gone, and only the things of God last And so we will become, as a lover of God, as a follower of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we become part of God's work. We're a trophy of God's grace, and we too, according to uh, verse 17, abideth forever. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now let's go to verse 18 and following. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that the Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all 
of us. When we take a look at these verses in particular, verses 18 and 19, here the Apostle John is telling those who've come to faith in Christ that we're in the last days. Now, this is written by John before the first hundred years uh, had been finished since Christ was on the earth. In fact, 70 years or less had passed. And he says we're in the last days. And indeed, we know that 2,000 years later, we are truly in the last days. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that this is the last time. There are many Antichrists. Now, let's uh, sort of take a look at the word Antichrist, what it means. Here, it is with a small letter. It's not with a capital letter. And so, Antichrist does not mean the Antichrist, the man of sin in the very last time on this earth, but it talks about the spirit of Antichrist or these Antichrists that are in place now. These who have placed themselves in the very position of Christ, they're in the place of Christ. They are not only contrary to Christ, meaning anti, uh, but they are also in the place, which is where the word anti or before or in place of Christ, uh, that's where uh, the word Antichrist uh, has its meaning as well. So it has two meanings. One is to be contrary to Christ. The other is to be in the place of Christ. And if you're in the place of Christ, of course, you're contrary to him as well. And he says, there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it's the last time. Now, if there were many Antichrists in John's day, do we see many Antichrists today? Of course we do. We see them in the secular realm. We see them in the religious realm. We see these who would prop themselves up and make people think that they are something special, when in reality they are nothing but the off-scouring of humanity. And these consider themselves to be worthy of being placed in front of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, they went out from us. Many of them still proclaim that they are followers of Christ. John goes on to say, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. In other words... God was going to show through their actions that they are not Christian. And so it is true in this day and age, you will see them. Some present themselves as angels of light. Some present themselves as ministers of the gospel. Some present themselves as humble Christians. Some present themselves as a part of the very body and church of Christ. And yet we know they are not. They've left the doctrine of Christ for the doctrine of demons. Verse 20, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. He says to these little children, these that have come to faith in Christ, you understand what's going on. You are not to be overtaken 
uh, by evil because you have a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Verse 21, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is an antichrist. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Now remember, he's, he is writing against the heresy of Gnosticism, but he's writing for the truth of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He's a liar. If he's a liar, he has no place in heaven according to God's word. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so if you know Jesus Christ, you know God the Father, but if you do not know Christ, you cannot know God. And so here, John makes it quite clear that if you deny the Son, you deny the Father. But if you acknowledge the Son, if you receive the very Christ himself, then you acknowledge the Father. You have the Son and you have the Father. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that uh, which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Now, the promise of salvation is eternal life, and that comes as we walk into eternity, but it's also the abundant life here in this world that has been promised to us. Is that correct? Yes, it is, because Christ said, I came that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly, and that includes eternal life as well. And so we see the promise that has been made for us who follow Christ, and that is life eternal. These things, verse 26, have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you, but the anointing which ye have received of him, of Christ, abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him, ye shall abide in Christ. So John exposes heresy in these verses, 18 through 27, he distinguished between the Antichrist of the tribulation period, the Antichrists, plural, of this present age. The latter could bear the name of the former in that both denied the essential deity of Jesus Christ and his incarnation. Lack of continuance is a correct doctrinal evaluation of a person of Christ is a sign that a person was never saved in the first place. 
The anointing indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of knowledgeable salvation, and the presence of the Holy Spirit living within the believer is a safeguard against doctrinal deviation. And so we're at verse 27 of John, 1 John chapter 2. Um, I want to turn to some commentary from J. Allen Blair. Uh, J. Allen Blair has a book that is out of print, but it's called The Epistles of John, Devotional Studies on Living Confidently. And I just want to uh, go through the outline for just a moment, and then we'll continue. He has an outline of chapter 1 as follows. Uh, Derivation, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Declaration, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Description, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And deception, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. In chapter 2, he continues with his D effort. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, designation. Chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, demonstration. Chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, denunciation. That's where we just finished looking. Uh, and defection, which we finished up with in chapter 2, 18 through 29. J. Allen Blair titled his book, The Epistles of John, Devotional Studies on Living Confidently. Other authors have said this is giving assurance to the believer. This epistle, which was written about A.D. 90, gives both assurance and confidence because, quite honestly, at the root, they are the same thing. The word know is used 26 times in 1 John. He wants us to know. He wants us to believe. He wants us to understand the truth. He wants the infant church. And remember AD 90, the destruction of uh, the temple of Jerusalem was AD 70. But here is John attempting to keep the early church from being confused, to keep them from doubting their salvation. He's giving this assurance. He's giving this confidence for living. Another major concern J. Allen Blair pointed out in his commentary was the much-needed grace of love in the hearts of the believers. The word love is used 46 times in 1 John. The growth and expansion of the church brought personality problems, jealousy, and bitterness. Many years before, Paul had written to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13 to tell them of love. But with the discord and division disrupting the harmony of the assemblies, John, who was known as the apostle of love, was divinely directed to accentuate the message of old that he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love, 1 John 4, 8. There's also a, um, an emphasis 
on personal purity. The word light is used six times. The fact is uh, stressed that God is light, as we saw there in 1 John 1, 5. And those that follow him should walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7. John was provoked with the teaching that though one was saved, he could continue in sin, still be a child of God. The first epistle makes it clear that such teaching was filled with error. So it was challenging yet comforting. Our own spiritual condition, of course, causes us to examine ourselves, whether you be in the faith to prove your own selves, as it mentions in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. The first epistle of John was written primarily to believers, as we know, but he was aware of those who thought they were believers who were not, who were living hateful lives, not loving lives, that were not living for Christ, but living for themselves. And we're reminded of the passage in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. John called his listeners to faith, the faith in Christ. In uh, chapter 2, of course, we've read the phrase little children several times. It seems to be one of Apostle John's favorite expressions. He uses nine times in First John. This was also used by our Lord Jesus Christ as he spoke to his disciples. He called them his little children. And so maybe that's where John learned to use the phrase. Little children refers to those born into the family of God as they trusted Christ as their Savior and Lord. Some were being deceived by false teachers, and he admonished them as little children to be extremely cautious, to be extremely careful what they believed. And uh, he of course, wrote as one who had seen and heard, again, slamming the Gnostics and showing that Christ was indeed, when he was in the flesh and on the earth, was in the material. And he had heard and seen the Lord. And because of the human sinful nature, we need to continue walking with the Lord. And we know that we have a mighty God who can give us victory over any of our circumstances. It's important that we know that. We're told to resist the devil in James 4.7. We're told to fight the good fight of faith in 1 Timothy 6.12. We're told in 1 Peter 5.8 uh, that we are to uh, submit ourselves to God and resist the devil uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And in verse 9 it says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. So we have to have unreserved dependence upon our Lord. Not upon ourselves, but upon our Lord. 
And we need to understand that when we are walking after Christ and walking in Christ, that we can have this assurance of salvation and this confident life because Jesus Christ is in charge. Here are the last two verses of 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.